0: This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm Phil Kirkbride and today joined by Adam Jones and Gav Buckland as we chew the fat over all the major talking points at Goodison Park. Reflecting on a win over Leicester City and of course looking ahead to the trip to Spurs. And potentially an all-important trip to Spurs in the hunt for Euro- European football again on the agenda. The victory in midweek. Anthony Gordon, a breakthrough performance for the academy graduates. New kit, get the lad's thoughts on that. A new signing as well, get the lad's thoughts on that also. And everything in between Carlo Ancelotti, of course, giving his pre-match press conference this afternoon. So plenty to get stuck into. And without further ado, um, Gav, I'll start with you on the Leicester win. Um I, I kind of feel that as a victory in terms of the significance and the opposition, I think maybe the, this this sort of hasn't necessarily been enough credit given to Everton because that for me is a very, very good win.
1: Yeah, I mean, Leicester have been in, I think, I say, well, poor form, isn't it, really? I mean, I think I said to you before the game, well, I think the, the previous 15 games, they got 17 points and we got to 24, 25 points. So we were, you know, we have be being in far better form than Leicester, but they are like third, and you know, third in the table. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think I think you're probably right. Uh, also, seen in the context of, you know, a win at Norwich and a, and a draw against Liverpool, in the sort of so-called lockdown league. So I think full stop. We've not been given credit for our performances over the three games. You know, we are talk about your places, but stealthily where we're sort of going in the right direction. So yeah, I definitely I definitely agree with that. I think, I think to be honest with you, part of the problem is at the moment is about games, It's because the games are sort of sequential, there's no time to take a deep breath, isn't it? And people to reflect on mm. who's done well and who's done badly. You know, by the time you have done that, another game has started. So I do I do yeah. think that's probably um, you know, sort of the main reason that there's no, there's no source of time for any considered opinion about the way the Premier League's going at the moment, unless, unless you're Spurs, which we'll obviously talk about later. But uh, yeah, um, <laughs> it's all <due> <laughs> But yeah, no, I thought it was uh, a worthy win. Not many times we beat the team in the top three, by the way, home and away. Um, so yeah, I was really pleased with the performance and results.
0: Um, Adam, what, what particularly obviously you you were uh, you, yeah, you were sat next to me obviously at a, a safe distance um, <laughs> a, a good distance um what what particularly or what aspect of the performance did you take away with you the most that you were you were most happy with
2: uh, i think in a weird way the the second half uh, i w- i was most happy with obviously i think we performed uh, streets better in the first half and i think we fully deserved to be 2-0 up at the time that we were 2-0 up But the second half, you know, especially when we've seen Leicester get that goal back in pretty fortuitous circumstances, I have to say, picked up an injury to one of our best players. Uh, And it forced Anfield to change the system a little bit. I think he brought on Tom Davis, which I think was a really good change. I think he added uh, a considerable amount of energy into midfield where we were starting to just get a little bit outnumbered with uh, Leicester's three against our two. So I think Tom Davis added a lot and then... He changed it again and brought Yeni Mina on and switched to a more five at the back sort of system. And I think I was saying to you as we were leaving the stadium, uh, with other managers that Everton have had in the past, I don't think Everton would have won that game. I think we would have thrown it away. There would have been, would have been uh, Leicester would have made their pressure tell a little bit more. Uh, I don't think the defensive organisation would have stayed as solid. I think we would have drawn. Maybe we would have even lost that game under another manager. But I think that second half kind of proved why we brought. Ancelotti to the club because he spotted that danger at the exact right time. I think he made the exact right changes uh, to you know, re-solidify us. And then you know, towards the end of the game, we were creating a few more chances ourselves and you know, we could have extended that lead. Uh, so, yeah, in a, in a weird way, I think our reaction to adversity was probably uh, the thing that I took out of that performance most. And you know, fingers crossed uh, we'll be able to see that a few more times uh, in the near future. Gav, we've spoken
0: about the fact that Carlo, has, um, has in, in, in none of the games so far, has used a full complement of subs that he, he is allowed to now. But what he has done, certainly in the last two games, and you could argue a little bit in the derby because he did bring Sigurdsson on, he's had to make changes in the middle of the park. Now, is that a sign just because playing in mid- mid- midfield is physically the most demanding position, arguably? Or is that just an indication, again, of that we are a little bit light, and actually, you know, it, he's, he's done well to actually cope with the fact that we've only got three fit centre midfielders, you know, and, and, and to manage that situation?
1: I think it's probably the latter. I think the the three games we played, I think everybody's been, I would say, very happy with the defence, reflected in the number of goals we conceded um, up front. The two lads have worked hard. Maybe not as had as many chances as what they should have, and I think people have looked at midfield as as being the area that we uh, we, we've struggled in. Um, You know, we spoke about Gammon, I talked about individuals, spoke about Gomez, we spoke about Davis not being at the best form, Um, and Sigerson's coming. So, yeah, I think it's skillful manipulation of the the midfield across the three games has been as being good for me. And I do I do think it's it's the lack of numbers. And also, as well, as you say, probably it, it has been the area of the pitch where we probably had to work really hard and in, you know certain conditions at Norwich weren't where conducive for mm. like 90 minutes of full football. And so, yeah, I think he's done really well. I can only I also only echo Adam's thoughts there. I thought, I thought the second half was a manager, a masterclass wasn't there, on, there yeah. one, on Wednesday night. I just thought, thought um, I go back to what I said at the start of the lockdown or when the season resumed, resumed so that, said the three weeks before the season started that actually you'll see who the better managers are in that period and I think you're seeing that now aren't you as the season it's like a a self-contained group of nine games isn't it that you've got to manage your resources and stuff and I I think in that environment the better more experienced coaches will come to the floor and you can see that exactly with Carlo it's no coincidence Mm. that he's you know, in terms of managerial performances, his, his has been right near the top, hasn't it?
2: It's, you yeah. know, when
1: we played two of the top three in that time and the way he's managed some depleted resources. And I think what he's done in the midfield is part of a wider thing about how he's managed the whole of this lockdown period, including going back to when we commenced And So, yeah, be, his college has been superb, but I wouldn't expect anything uh, less than to be on. Less, uh, less than that, to be honest, with you, given us that experience in the game, and now we supply that experience to, to the various teams he's working.
0: Absolutely, well said, um, Adam. Has, has Wednesday night's victory changed your opinion of whether qualifying for Europe is realistic or not?
2: Uh, no, not really, because I thought it was realistic in the first place. <laughs> if, if I'm honest, yeah. like, I was looking at that. Uh, I was looking at how concertinaed it was in the, in the middle of that Premier League table, and I was thinking. Look, if you can just build a build a little bit of momentum together and you could just shoot yourself back up that table now, I know we haven't exactly done that yet. I think we're in eleventh now, so we only actually rode one place from that uh, from that performance, but we're so much closer in terms of points, and I think we're breathing down the necks of you know your your likes of your Sheffield Uniteds now who you know quite rightly are getting praised for how well they've performed this season you know their first season after promotion. I think they've done excellently but Everton are only well, three or four points behind them now yeah, and we've still got to play them as well so yeah, that could be a massive game further down the line so yeah I think this was this was an important win as you said I think it's probably one of the most important wins that Ancelotti's managed so far because of you know the I know Leicester haven't been in the best form especially since uh, we've come back from lockdown but these are still a really, really top team. They've got some real quality players. You've got like some Madison Vardy, you know Iheanacho, of course, when he came on, I think he proved that he can cause a lot of problems as well. You know, they've got quality all over the pitch. I thought Chu and Evans did actually quite well against Calvert Lewin uh, on Wednesday. They've got Taylorman's in midfield, wow. so you know, these are some really, really good players. But what Everton, I think, quite you know deservedly beat them on Wednesday and. That should be the benchmark for those players now to go into you know similarly tough games i'd say you know you've got spares coming up wolves sheffield united as i say you know these are going to be equally important uh if we're going to be have if we're going to have these kind of aspirations to finish in the europa league ancelotti will know that and you know as gab says he's going to use the expertise that he's uh drawn throughout his managerial career to try and bring that to everton over these last few games so yeah, I think as long as Everton can use this now as a platform to build even further, then absolutely European football is realistic. Garth, has it changed your mind? Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, not just Wednesday night's game, but the results elsewhere and looking at the form of the other teams. Um, I said that you know the start that I felt that though you were, people were talking five or six point gaps to seventh, it was the amount of traffic between between us and Europe. We, you know, European players achieving at seven. And um, maybe, you know, four or five teams in, in the mix there. When you look at the, the other team's results in that time over the last um, you know, two or three matches, like the Spurs have struggled, haven't they? I mean, Arsenal lost two games, they've so won two, Sheffield United have struggled, they've won midweek. Um, all of a sudden, it, it has sort of compressed. We're at now only three points off, uh, off seventh place. But the, the problem with that is we're now getting close to the end of the season. We've got two, three tough away games Spurs, Wolves, Sheffield United. If you lose one of them games, one of your rivals wins all of a sudden, the gap six points with four games left, isn't Something like that, mm. which becomes far more difficult to uh, to manage. So I think, yes, we are in with the shout, but we can't afford to slip up. I think over the last um, six games, I think we, I would imagine if we lose one, one of them games, we might find ourselves in, in difficulties because then you're talking about the gap of maybe five or six points over three or four games. It ain't going to happen, you know. Uh, yeah. But I'm certainly far more confident than what we were two weeks ago, both, both on the basis of our results. I think that it's only Wolves who's got more points than not Sure, in lockdown, they've been this lockdown league.
0: They've played they've United United well,
1: haven't they? No, United have only got seven, haven't they? Same as us because they do against Andy. the. Did they do it Spurs? Spurs. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there's only I think there's only Wolves who've taken the full complement of uh, nine points. And I think Austin United have taken seven. I think Newcastle have so but in form. I think the lockdown games suit Ancelotti's style of management. Um, and I, I you know so I'm hopeful that we can avoid defeat in the last six games. If we do that, then I think seventh is definitely a uh, up for grabs.
0: Interesting stuff, and of course, uh, Big part of that victory was Anthony Gordon. Uh, Adam handed a, a uh, another Premier League start and uh, repaying the faith of, of Ancelotti with uh, with an assist inside ten minutes uh, to uh, create the and Open. How uh, how impressed were you with with Anthony on Wednesday?
2: Oh, extremely impressed. I think this was this was more of his arrival onto the scene. I think rather than you know that obviously he got his first start in the Merseyside Derby, but you know, looking back in hindsight on that game, you can you can tell that 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 setup just wasn't wasn't going to suit Anthony Gordon to try and really show off what he can do in an Everton shirt. And I think uh, this time around, I think the the onus was there a bit for Everton to go and attack Leicester that little bit more. We have that defensive organisation in place now. So uh, Everton could just go and attack Leicester a bit more. And I think that quite obviously suited Gordon. I think uh, the, the, the main thing that I've seen a lot of people say since uh, watching him on Wednesday is how intelligent he is, especially for a young player. And I think, yeah, I, I completely agree with that. You know, some of his some of his passes. There was that one uh, that set Dominic Calvert Lewin one on one with the uh, well, I'll say one on one. He should have been one on one with the keeper, but uh, he ended up uh, taking a tumble inside the box. Uh, he pro- perhaps should have done better with that, and you know, Gordon could have got. Two assists. I think the one assist that he got was really, really good because it, it showed him, you know, when Cal, uh, when uh, a Holgate who's got the ball, he's asking for the ball from Holgate. He doesn't get it, but he continues his run to get on to the end of uh, Dean's header. And then his cross into the box is absolutely perfect for Richarlison to just hammer home. So, you know, and it wasn't even just that as well. I think it was his uh, ability to track back as well. I think we saw that in the second half when he tracked a player right-back to, to the left-back position and made a fantastic sliding tackle. He uh, shouldn't want to throw on that, but uh, he didn't get it. But, yeah, I, th- I think that was a real coming-of-age sort of performance for him. This was, you know, as you say, only his second start in the Premier League. It looks like he's been a Premier League player for so long. Uh, it was only probably in December December 2018, I think it was, that I was watching him at Goodson in an FA Youth Cup game. For Everton against Sunderland, he absolutely ran the show on that occasion. Again, playing from the wing but drifting inside and popping up in all those sort of central attacking positions. I think that's probably where he's going to find most of his joy uh, in the future. But I think he's got all the attributes to be a fantastic winger for Everton as it stands. And uh, if he can continue this form from now until the end of the season, then he's going to make a great claim for himself to be you know a start, a, you know one of the starting players ahead of next season. Gav, you know, look,
0: we're, always, um, we're always excited and, and, and hopeful when we see breakthrough performances in academy graduates and, and, and local lads t- to boot. Where does Anthony, or how does Anthony progress at a first-team level at Everton where somebody like Kieran Dowell wasn't able to? Is it, you know, is it purely down to the manager giving him the opportunity? Or is this something that Anthony has to do uh, in these games and in the next 12 months, to not, you know, become an, another story of a player that hasn't, you know, had the yeah. promise, had that moment, and then didn't, wasn't able to build on it.
1: Well, you've got you've got to get all your off the stuff pitch right, haven't you? You know, you've got to train properly, look after yourself, don't get distracted. Uh, if you don't do that, then you're going to struggle, aren't you? And whatever, however, good your manager is, and however much ability you've got, so you've got to get that right. Um, for me, um, I think compared to say Kieran and I, I suspect he's got a little bit more about him. Um, I think physically, I, I don't know about you, but I, I'm sort of right about this. Yesterday. Yesterday, does he look physically stronger and bigger than? the played couple of games.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think I think people listening to this may have seen. There's, there's been images shared on certainly on Anthony's social media, where yeah. certainly he used lockdown. I think he the process had begun, but he certainly used lockdown to really kind of from a strength and conditioning point of view, really kind of up his game and, and physically you could see the difference was quite dramatic to be honest.
1: I, 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 I mean I've not seen I've not seen them, I didn't know they existed, but I was talking so yesterday, he just physically looked a lot more um had a bit more presence about him. Um, and also when he played when he as Adam said about defensively that helped. So for me, I think assuming he's coached properly. I think the important thing for him is to, to physically cope with the demands of, of the Premier League. He is helped that the fact that, as we all know, what we're seeing is a bit of a. It's a I wouldn't say it's a false games we're seeing, but we're seeing games probably played at 75 to 80% of the, the usual intensity by the fact that it is the summer and obviously, and also that players aren't 100% fit. Uh, and that, that helps him. So you would hope if he can get. I mean, it was, Get these games under his belt and stay in the team. He'll come back into next season. A, you know, an even better prospect than what he is at the moment, I think. But there's still a hell of a lot where a lot of way to do there. I'm just wondering. By the way, is we've talked about this before about series of the team that needs improving. I'm just wondering whether his better position would be wide right and coming in if he did have a presence in the team going forward, You know that if you, you know if he was there or thereabouts in the the starting eleven. I'd, I'd rather see him play wide, right, than, than wide left. But I think for me, it is physically he's got to, you know, he's got to get up to speed and and, and build that up uh, to avoid I mean, um, to avoid sinking.
0: I, I mean, Adam, you know, it feels like th- there is an opportunity on on the right. Of course, he will be has played there for the last three games and actually done done well. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he, he certainly he certainly feels like he's building some momentum finally. Um, but on the left. Is there not a strong argument to say that actually Anthony Gordon is our best option at the moment?
2: Um, potentially, yeah. I'd say, especially given the, uh, the form post-lockdown, I'd have, I'd have to say, yeah, his, uh, his main competition for that role is Bernard. And, uh, you know, Bernard, he's been hit and miss, I'd probably say, this season. There have been times and performances. I think Newcastle at home, he was fantastic scored a great goal against Palace at home as well. You know, the, yeah, I've got to say most of his good performances come at Goodison rather than away from home. But uh, he, he does consistently, I think, show those little those little snippets of quality that he can bring uh, to the team. But I think it goes it goes back to what Gav was saying there. I think Anthony Gordon is, I think he's a lot better defensively. I think he showed that not not just against Leicester, but I think I noticed it when he came on he he came on in quite a uh, quite dreadful circumstances against Chelsea away just before lockdown but i remember pointing out to you that his defensive capabilities were uh, were very good uh, on in the short time that he had on the pitch on that day as well so he's i think he's a lot better defensively i think he's uh, a lot more physically suited uh, to the premier league and i just think that that fits into the way ancelotti wants to set up this team at the minute I think he, he just he just seems to suit it better. I mean you noticed in Ancelotti's press conference today, he was talking about Richarlison and Calvert Lewin and how he's never had strikers who take on as much defensive responsibility mm. as them. And he's you know he's he's very clear to say, look, the defense is doing really well while we're keeping these goals out, but it's defending from all over the pitch that's making that happen. And I think if you t- if you put Bernard onto the that left hand side. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm not doubting his defensive capabilities. I think he he can do that. But I think Anthony Gordon's just a little bit better at it. So, yeah, I do think you lose something a little bit in that sense. So, yeah, I, I would potentially argue that Gordon is the best option uh, for the time being. Uh, I suppose it depends on what uh, opposition you're coming up against. So if we're coming up yeah. against a team, let's say, that's going to be hard to break down at home, a team that's going to sit in against us, then maybe you want and you want Bernard to be on the pitch for his you know, clever little intricate play with Luka Dean that we've seen so many times over the past two seasons. I think that could be a really good way to unlock defences. But uh, yeah, I think on the whole, Anthony Gordon absolutely deserves his place in the lineup at the minute.
0: Mm, certainly in that defensive uh, ability that we're seeing is probably uh, in, in some part credit to working with David Unsworth. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Gav, let's let's stay with with the match themes and and look ahead to Spurs. Um, They'll be smarting and Jose Mourinho, clearly from his interview last night, is like a bear with a sore head. I just just worry that when Mourinho is in this mood and this almost siege mentality type of mood, that his teams are actually harder to beat than maybe when they were in some sort of good form.
1: Mourinho (laughs) circa 2010. Yeah. Mourinho circa 2020 is a completely different beast. I think um, I think the players, the playing squad, probably view him differently than when he was at Chelsea or Inter or Real Madrid. And then Chelsea the second time as well. I think Mourinho, I don't want to, I'm not going to criticise one of the, the greatest managers of the last 30 years. You know, his track record speaks for himself. But I'm not sure I would be. If, if I was looking, if if I was Everton on on going there on on Monday, I'd say, yeah, you might we might get a reaction off them. But actually, look at our last three games, last three performances. Let's make this up about ourselves. I think spares are vulnerable. I mean, even before lockdown, they were obviously struggling. And I think it's it's I, I won't be too wary about that. If we get before nil, film at twelve months Tuesday. <laughs> <this> <laughs> Because look, this, yeah. but I don't I, you, managers lose their mystique, don't they, with both players and supporters and I think Mourinho has been managing you know best part of twenty years top
0: level.
1: Yeah. Um so I don't think it's a bit like it's not like going to Chelsea in two thousand and seven and just been beat three middle at middle Middlesbrough like we yeah. did once. Uh, I think it's a different uh, it's a different game altogether on Monday. And we've got Angie was- in the
0: dugout. <laughs> well, indeed, I mean you know, not the play that gathers you said right at the start of, of the pod. You know, he. You know, it's easy to forget, isn't it? That you know how much one man sat on the uh, or stood on the touchline can actually make a difference, and he certainly did on Wednesday. I'd, are you confident going Monday? Is my is my concern that Mourinho, you know, you know smarting will be a, a, you know a, a dangerous animal? It, it, am I uh, my reading too much into uh, into Mourinho's capabilities now?
2: No, I, I think you've. You can't doubt that Mourinho still is a fantastic manager in my opinion I completely agree with what Gav said I, th- I do think you know that kind of mystique that he has as you know the special one when he first came to the Premier League that has almost completely ebbed away now but there is still a fantastic manager under the surface there and there's a reason he is at a club like Spurs who you know, let's not forget winning the Champions League final last year so and I think <sighs> you can't, You can't. I, th- I think Ancelotti hit, hit the nail on the head in his press conference again, you can't look at, at a result against Sheffield United who themselves, while they were in uh, well they have been in a bit of poor form uh, after lockdown, I think they're still a quality unit as well and capable of beating a lot of sides in this league uh, on their day so I don't think you can look too much into a Spurs defeat against Sheffield United I think Spurs have still got some absolutely quality players, especially going forwards, you can't ignore the likes of Addy Kane, Lucas Mora, Jumin Son, Deli Alley, these are good, these are you know, some top quality, world class footballers, some of them. So I think Everton are gonna have to be absolutely at the top of their game. But in the same sense that you know a a Mourinho a Mourinho team might be wounded a little bit now, I think perhaps the way to beat them is the exact way we've been playing post lockdown mm-hmm. is to just stay defensively organised. Try and frustrate them as much as possible. If we can just keep things tight for the first twenty, twenty-five minutes, then start to come out of our shell a little bit and play into them a little bit more. You know, especially with there being no fans inside their big fancy new stadium. You know, I, I can't see why we can't go there and get a win because you know I think as Gab rightly says, we've got to focus on ourselves at this point, and we've been playing really well uh, over the last few weeks. So. I think Ancelotti will absolutely have to go there with confidence, but I do completely agree that you know you, you can't you can't knock Mourinho, and you you do still have to be wary of what Spurs can do. Mm. Okay, um, of course we still be for
0: the final six games of this season, be wearing the Umbro kits which we have seen this term. But of course, the start of next season will see us in Hummel. And today, Gav Hummel revealed uh, Everton's new home kit. Um, I was always confident it would uh, it would look good, um, but even I was still very very happy with what I saw. Do you uh, do you approve?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, because I've not had the home kit, well, I've not had an Everton kit since nineteen seventy one, Phil. So I'm probably the last person you'd ask about this. i was
0: going to say now. <laughs> I,
1: I, I am not. I am not necessarily somebody who like loses sleep over the uh, over <laughs> I, Having said all that. Um, I was nicely mit- impressed by what I saw, and and I liked the promo with Tommy Gravison as well. I Thought that was a good good uh, spot yeah. for getting getting interest. To be fair, you know we talk about people with mystique and being elusive. Tommy Tommy falls <laughs> into that uh, category, doesn't he? Um, but what what, what, I, what I've seen it, of it um, is being it looks excellent. So I like the colour, I like the setup, sponsors logo, sponsors logos, but sometimes can make up great kits. Um, um Looks good, you know. They've got them. they would the whatever they call the triangles, whatever, on the side. Yeah, you know, and the chevrons. The yeah. Um, the only time I ever see them elsewhere is when, on most of what you say, so keep keep far apart from the
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, um, well. If opposition defenders take the same advice, gav then yeah, yeah, we're <laughs> laughing, right, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> stay,
1: stay, yeah, stay two chevrons away from uh, the Charleston. Um, but yeah, now I seriously. i it, it, I mean, it's been a pretty good week for Everton Football Club in a lot, many different ways. And this has only added to the feel-good factor that we've had over this week and last week, really. It's unusual, um, shall we say, it's unusual that Everton launch something and there is almost 100% across the board mm. positive reactions and, and people really going for it. And uh, yeah. no added use of the piece of well. And and it's uh, yeah it looks it looks really good. I just hope that we've got the players who can do it do it justice.
0: Absolutely, and I think uh, I think the uh, sort of the feeling ad that Gav has, has, has picked up on on the reaction it has been it has been reflected in in sales. Um, certainly pre order sales today, I think they've been uh, been very pleased on that front. Um, having spoken to, to Hummel as you did, um, what did you sense maybe going forward? We can expect are they are they sort of it feels to me from reading your piece that they're really uh, genu- genuinely kind of fully on board here and they're genuinely thrilled to be to be to be making Everton's kits and, and, and this is just you know another club it, I generally got the feeling that uh, this means quite significant big things for them.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. I think uh, <laughs> through, through my conversation, I spoke to Philip Trulton who's the chief brand officer at Hummel. And uh, throughout the conversation, we did it over like a zoom a zoom chat, and throughout the conversation, he just had a huge smile on his face and I think that was massively representative of what how Hummel are feeling uh, about this whole project going forward. They signed on for three years and they were just so excited to finally release uh, this kit and he's de- i think they are particularly delighted with how the fans have welcomed them and how they're open minded to what they uh what they want to do in the future and hummel in, in kind, they're open minded to having p- potential fan engagement on some future kits, which I think uh would be really good in in uh in years down the line. I think just looking in terms of this kit, it's it's simple but it's it's massively effective for me. I really like the diagonal design on the front, which is a tribute to the, the sound bar of Z cars, which Yes uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it shocked me to be honest but uh apparently that was inspired by a tour given to them by graham sharp around mm. the uh the training ground and by, around goodison park so they the quite clearly they want to tap into as much as everton's history as possible he said uh they they stocked up on loads of loads of different books uh before they left to go back to denmark so they might have picked up a few of yours gav uh, I, I, <laughs> I was I, anyway
1: I, just 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 out of interest, it i can send that money can't buy I just love the sold out
2: oh, sold out this. wow yeah, yeah.
1: Congrat- yeah,
0: yeah. well congratulations gaff yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> no no i meant i sincerely meant that worthy very good do yeah,
1: you. you know what you know the only ever told me you has not got a copy me i will
2: mean, <laughs> 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 lend you one gaff yeah yeah yeah. yeah. Well, yeah no i i just think that Time times look uh, quite exciting for the future. I'm, I'm a big fan of the uh, of the training gear that they've released today as well. You know, those was uh, those navy and pink tops. Huge fan of that. And uh, I am uh, I'm already quite excited for what they do with the kind of away in the third kits as well. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, Phil, can I just add to uh, Adam said like the, is I think this shows you the importance if you get your kit suppliers to make sure that you're the main yes. customer. Doesn't it for me? Uh, and I think that that and it's good that this is this has started the the relationship off and a really sound footing, isn't it? Really, so people buy that phrase, buying into it. But it's a it's a great start, isn't it, for, for the relationship and the supporters' relationship with, with home Tom and with which I think is the other good thing. The, the other thing is, I was noticing. I know Adam said you were saying about like the cars thing. I think the goalkeepers. Isn't it got the soundbars to like sort of the 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 intensity of the Premier League?
2: The intensity of the um, Premier League or something like that. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. So somebody was saying, do, "Do we really want Jordan Pickens? <laughs> Don't we want a bit of mood music on Jordan Pickens?" Yeah, we, we want. Out, he's, you know? getting
2: the he's getting the rave getting the rave Yeah, yeah, to, yeah.
0: I think he needs to possibly wear the soundbars to like whale sounds or the ocean sound, or something yeah. instead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just
2: keep him
1: chilled, you know. For that. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't started the conversations ever. I a little bit, you know, it does really matter with me. I'm actually, you know, really pleased with what's going on today. I think, uh, you know, forward to everybody involved in
0: Absolutely. Good stuff. Um, so I'll say fast uh, paced pod loads to uh, cram in. Um, we've got a first signing of the summer. Exciting news uh, Niels Unkanku. Uh, massive apologies because I've probably butchered the pronunciation <laughs> of the yeah, of the lad's surname there. Uh, signed on free transfer. Um, I think the deal was done obviously Wednesday night, but announced Thursday lunchtime uh, from Marseille out of contract nineteen and a left back. Adam, any any sort of early ideas about what what this lad's about? Any inclination? Any insight? It's difficult. I know he's Marseille B, France under nineteen international hasn't played for the first team, but. Uh, any, uh, any interest? Anything we picked up from what Marcel said in the uh, in the release?
2: Uh, I, I, I'd be lying if I said I've uh, watched lots of them uh, in action. <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure I've watched any of them <laughs> in action, to be honest. But uh, Marcel and Carlo have clearly scouted them for a long time, and they've got a uh, they've got high hopes for his future. You know, we've had Carlo today in his press conference saying that he hopes he'll be ready for the first team soon. Like, we don't know how soon that's going to be. Of course, but uh, yeah, I think it's going to be important for him to come in and initially work with the under twenty threes. Obviously, we saw uh Matty Folds leave at the end of last season, so the under twenty threes were maybe looking a little bit light at, yes. uh, at left back. So he'll get you know a, a really good amount of opportunity. You'd think uh, under David Unsworth, who has you know he's got a good, great track record of, uh, of progressing these kinds of youngsters into the first team, and I think maybe it's kind of highlighted the importance. Again, of us trying to uh, get Leighton Baines on for another year, because imagine him coming in to learn under both Luca Dean and Leighton Baines for you know at least at least a year. You know that's going to be invaluable experience for any sort of any young player coming into the club, and especially somebody who plays in that position. It's going to be it's going to be fantastic for them. So fingers crossed we can keep Baines there, and you know fingers crossed we hopefully see him uh, progress as quick as uh, we. We hope he can do, and you know we might have a an, another future, great future left back on our hands. Gav, um,
0: as the as, as the thinking man on this pod, um, what does the <laughs> What does the signing of a nine, <laughs> what, what does the signing um, the signing of a nineteen year old uh, French youth international, no first team experience. Yeah. Tell us tell us about uh Marcel brands and, and the club's transfer policy. Can we read what can we read into it, do you think?
1: Um but I will think, think the- I I tell you what it but say it says a lot about the scouting policy, doesn't it? Hmm. In terms of being expansive and thought out that you're getting players from, from Marseille, so it's effectively their B team, isn't it? You know I know Marcel said he'd been looking at him for a while and i know that sometimes these are thrown in as an afterthought but said rumoured with interest from juventus always helps this type of <laughs> type of transfer doesn't it um but mm-hmm. yeah it, it yeah, goes, goes back to you would like to think picking up an adam's point that it does You trying to think like a sort of continuity thing there in two or three years time hopefully he'll be not on the door of the first team and um, perhaps you know lucas he to be 29 maybe something like this hopefully he's still here um so yeah it, to me it's 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 a sound you know it's sound planning isn't it really I, I like the fact that um we're casting a net far and wide really as well and hopefully the lad can come in and and, and make her make an impression um i don't know how to say his name Phil <laughs> either. i'm glad you said it i've got a clue um <laughs> uh, well, he uh he's obviously i mean outside i was to think the only one i can think of was play for marseille ever somebody who probably um Correct me, it's Sever Steven. Uh, So if you follow right. us in Sever's footsteps and as a silky and successful football, you know, in good hands. But yeah, I think it says a lot to me about our scouting policy and that we're being really thorough in terms of identifying targets.
0: And and it, and, it, and without trying to take the, the podcast in, into a, a different direction than, than it that should be going in, but do you think that the um, impending changes in terms of us leaving the EU and, and work permits, you know, there's an opportunity, a very small window left for us to be bringing in young players from the continent without the added complications that will come without us leaving. The, with us leaving the EU, yeah,
1: yeah. but you like to think he's been bought because he's good enough. Yeah, yeah. Then rather than that, of, yeah. But we're not really sure. But you know, if we go back to him three months time or whatever, I know he's out of contact and stuff. But in the future, we might not be able to get him. We hope that he's good enough now, and that's the reason that we've uh, we've got him. And and I look forward to having a look at him. I mean, I'm not sure. I mean, I'm just thinking about as, as you followed the academy, you know, far more closer than that. I did. I'm not sure we've made many signings like this in the academy over the last two or three, two or three years. um,
2: um Not many that I can think of.
0: I mean, you you know, think, I was, I was thinking the only one, and and. Coincidentally, you know, today it was confirmed that he turned a new deal. And Nathangelo Markello would come from relatively relative anonymity in Holland. Certainly, from a wider European perspective, you know, yeah. we didn't know I had no idea who he was—and he came, nominal fee, uh, three years ago. He's Got a new deal now. You know, um, that's probably uh, you know similar in that respect.
1: Yeah, so it's not, not 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 at that level, not the, the type of transfer that we used to see him really, um, and that goes back several years. So that, that shows you the the I'd say the and maybe is changed and our, our strategy is changing at academy level. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing It would be good to uh, see how good is.
0: But that, of course, if Unkanku Unkanku, I think I say you pronounce it. Sorry, is 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 a three year deal. Um, and if the idea is he's going to learn off, off off Leighton Baines and Luca Dean, obviously it would it would it would see at this stage that if I says yes to the to, to the contract uh, offer that's on the table. In 12 months' time, he may no longer be at the football club. So it's actually an important... The first 12 months for Niels is actually very, very important because he could actually, when we
2: start next season, be second choice at left-back. Well, I think that's going to be the aim, really, isn't it? And I think that's maybe what Ancelotti was hinting at in his press conference when he said, we we hope to see him in and around the first team soon because you don't want to be come to the next summer, let's say, and have to sign... As a left back who's going to have to challenge Luca Dean for that role, you, you, you'd love to be able to promote somebody from the academy. And as as I say, we're the under 23s are looking pretty short in that position uh, after Matty Folds has left the club in particular. So you know, Niels is in a great position to come in now and prove himself under David Unsworth, and it'll probably do Evan that he does learn as as quickly as possible because yeah, we're, we're look, fingers crossed. We're going to have another 12 months of Leighton Baines. But, you know, apart from that, you, you, I don't think we're going to be getting any further than that with Leighton Baines. So we're going to have to have somebody challenging Luca Dean. Uh, as I, I, I still think next summer we're going to have positions that we're going to need to strengthen around the squad. Uh, obviously, it's going to depend how our transfer window goes this summer. But I've, I've, I've got no doubt in my mind that, you know, Marcel Brands and Carlo Ancelotti won't want to be Looking for another left back next summer, so yeah, as you say, fingers crossed he can uh, he can pick up pick up uh, Baines and dean's teachings quite quickly, and uh, he can he can prove himself under unsworth gav, come back to you
0: because I think a point you made i think in last friday's pod or, or one of the pods last week was obviously you you were concerned or had concerns that if Leighton decided to turn down the contract off, it would leave us potentially in a tricky situation having to go yeah. and find a left back. Uh, are those concerns, although we obviously, of course, still hope Leighton and, and the club still hope late and signs this deal, are you? Are those concerns, have they been allayed by the fact that we've got this young lad in? Do you think that would be adequate cover? It's. Uh,
1: I was thinking about that you know, when Adam was talking, I thought I would have asked that question. I was it's thinking a, about, a,
0: does,
1: does this mean that actually, the assumption we've had, and we've said last week, haven't we, and this happened a couple of, is that if Baines goes, we would then be in an awkward position where we'd have to spend money that actually we can't afford, given as Adam says, we, we need to be bigger, bigger fish to fry elsewhere. That we've got money, have to spend money on the left back, but actually, we think probably we wouldn't want to do that. And, and the assumption is we bring another left back in and just ones and now where they're actually with the signing of the, the, the I'll just call them the French under 19. <laughs> uh full back for, for uh, that, that actually we will be doing that well actually he will be also be involved for cover for, for Luca Dean. i don't know i mean the, the other the other one we've, we've mentioned me we, about transfer options and stuff is you no know, like we had less we've got a we've got a, we've got a shortage of a left-hand side defender with left-footed center half and you know it's whether we get a center half you can play left back as well you know like Les Scott did, say for example, it's yes. um, whether you know we, we, we try and kill two birds with one stone by bringing in a left side defender who can play left back and centre half. I think you it, you'd be a big risk if you we went into um, the new season with no senior cover for for Luca Dean. Uh, that will I, I I'm sure this lad's really good and hopefully the, you know he will prove himself you know, as a first-team player, but a bit of a big ask mm. coming in now, especially when you talk about next season starting, you know, September. It's it's, it's, a, it's a big ask, and I, I don't think the club would leave themselves open to, to such a risk. as because we all know how important full-backs are in the one game, don't we? So, um, it's a big risk to just not not, not not at least give ourselves cover for for Luca D in a left-back.
0: Absolutely. Okay, before we uh, wrap up and uh, do uh, the customary predictions, um, Adam, some uh, positive news on the injury front from Carlo, um, albeit slightly more medium term than, than anything short term. Um, he believes that Jean-Philippe Gabami's recovery is going so well, um, he could be back for the start of uh, next season.
2: <laughs> it was surprising, wasn't it? Uh, I, I really wasn't expecting him to see that, I think, to say that, sorry. Uh, I think we were we were concerned that maybe he'd be out for the rest of this calendar year at first when he picked up that Achilles problem. And uh, you know, to if he if he does get back by what we're expecting to be September time ish, mm, hopefully yeah. for the for the start of next season. You now that'd be some turnaround. He had surgery at the start of June, wasn't it? There on his on his Achilles. So. There'll be some turnarounds, What four four months ish to to come back from an an Achilles surgery? That'd be that'd be amazing. I think it's just it's just nice for us to hear that his rehabilitation's going well, isn't it? And that you know he's facing well he's faced uh, no further issues up to this point. He, you know he's progressing, he's progressing well. He's you know under under some sort of a under some sort of rehabilitation program with the club. And uh, yeah, I, th- I think it's just nice. Nice to hear that that's going well, and it would be it would be a welcome boost if he was fit for the start of the season. Let's be honest, especially when we're, we're we we were talking earlier in this podcast about how short we are in midfield. So you know, the the, the quicker we can get him back, the better, really.
0: Absolutely, yeah. fingers crossed for JP. Um, okay, let's uh, let's wrap up with predictions, and uh, in a week when Everton were awarded a penalty in League football i believe anything is possible Gav. so uh, do you agree what, what will be the score? yeah yeah what will be the score i'm going to put the i'm going to put a lottery ticket on i know that um what yeah be nice I, I think
1: i i could if it i could be funny and i would try and be funny and say well um roninho would be like a wounded animal and spares are going to romp away with three no when you know um but i i I'd fancy us i think we'll set up the same way i think we'll we'll play hopefully We'll play the same sort of personnel, but and you same Barbara Richardson being available. Um, I, I can, I can see us. You know, we've got a bit of momentum after three games here. Mourinho's under pressure. I, I I'm going to go with an Everton win. I, I feel confident. Uh, I, I, we're on a roll. Keep up the good news to the end of the podcast. I, 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 I say uh, what we've got, never win at Spurs, do we? Um, but one nil Everton.
2: Add. Yeah, he's, t- he's took the words out of my mouth there, Gav. I think uh, we're going to set up in you know a very similar sort of way, defensive organisation. I think we're going to frustrate Spurs for a lot of the game and we're going to take one of the chances that we inevitably create. I think it will be 1-0 and I'm going to go Calvert-Lewin. He's going to get his first post-lockdown goal.
0: Good stuff. Um and just because, as you say, Gavit Spurs and we don't win, I, I don't, I don't see us losing. I think maybe we'll get a, we'll get a draw. But uh, um, yeah, one-one from a penalty as well. Two and two. They'll come <laughs> like buses, like London buses, they'll come. <laughs> Good stuff, chaps. Thank you very much for your company and thank you for listening. This has been the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.